0: Welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. Let us pray as we get ready just to receive the word and receive the message. So let's pray. Heavenly Father. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this this building. We thank you that you allow us to gather with your people. You've given us a common faith that we come together to be strengthened by one another through the gifts that you've given us. And so I ask, Heavenly Father, if there's anybody in here who maybe has any anxieties, any temptation right now, feeling maybe like an outsider and didn't feel welcome, Will you please help them to calm down and to to feel welcomed by you? Will you let your presence through your Holy Spirit be known right now? Will you, Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us right now, fill us and control us? Do the work of ministering to us through your word. Open our hearts eyes to understand the calling that you have for us the hope that you laid up for us in the heavenly places guarded by our faith guarded by the father According to the gospel according to what Jesus has done Bless us this morning through the preaching of your word Please Holy Spirit fill us up Prepare us We praise things your name. Amen So as I was preparing for this message I was thinking about an intro, and I was thinking about my kids. You know, I have three young kids, and one thing with having young kids is you have to do a lot for them. You have to feed them when they're really young, when they start eating. You have to brush their teeth. And one funny thing is I notice when I'm feeding my kids or brushing their teeth, I do the same thing. Like, my mouth mimics their mouth. Like, as I'm putting the spoon to their mouth, I'm like this. Or as I'm brushing their teeth, I'm like this. For no reason, I'm just mimicking everything that they're doing. Have you guys found yourself doing that? Or like if you're around a happy person, like you might be mad. You see something, you smile, you just smile. You're like, why am I smiling? I'm angry. What am I doing? Now, but the reason why I say that is because I think there's a biblical principle in the way that we mimic the person that we see. You know, Scripture calls us to look to Jesus. As we run the race, he calls us to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and then even in 1 John chapter 3, it says, as we see him in his second coming, as he comes back, as we see him for who he is, we will become like him. And so there's this biblical principle that whoever we're looking at, we actually become like. Whoever we look at, we actually imitate. And the reason why I'm saying this is because our passage of scripture today is going to call us. To imitate Jesus in the way that he embraces and welcomes his enemy and those who hate him and are sinners. And we are called to imitate Christ the exact same way that he did when he was on earth. And I say this is because I've seen kind of a pendulum swing the other way. Christians throughout the ages have been fulfilling this passage, loving their enemies as Christ loved his enemies. But I've seen this pendulum swing the other way where I think Christians are getting tired of doing that. And we're kind of looking at the world and going, man, look at how, how they fight. That seems a little more effective. Let's fight like them. And instead of being humble and patient and kind and forgiving our enemies, I'm hearing a lot of Christians talking about like, hey, we need to fight back. Hey, we need to stop being quiet. We need to. And we're starting to imitate The way the world fights. Have you guys seen that? And so I use this illustration as feeding my kids and I'm mimicking them with my mouth. And it's funny. But the reason why I say that is because whoever we look at as a church, we're going to start imitating them. And I think as a church, as a whole in this area, I've seen us starting to imitate the way the world fights and the way the world challenges each other. And we're starting to look a lot more like the world rather than jesus and my goal today is to remind us of the commands that god has given us in his word how to handle our enemies how to interact with our enemies and i know we know this i know we know these commands but i think a lot of us don't see why we should or need to be encouraged a little more. So my goal today is to tell us kind of why, why we should do this, motivate us to do this, and then just encourage us and give us some things that we can do, some practical things on how to love our enemies, amen? So let's go ahead and read our passage today, and then I'll, I'll pray for us. So we're in Romans chapter 12. We're starting in verse 14 and going through the rest of the chapter. It says, bless those who persecute you, We have already prayed that your spirit would be with us so holy spirit please be with us illuminate your word to us let it be your very words let us leave knowing that we've encountered the living god let me be a vessel and a conduit that just takes your word as your word and gives it to your people and to all of us let me disappear let me decrease so that you might increase. Please, Heavenly Father, do that. And we know that we have access to you because of the work of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for being obedient. Thank you for loving us, and thank you for loving your enemies and giving us forgiveness. Holy Spirit, please be with us. We believe in you. We trust you to meet us here. Praise things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we've been going through Romans for this whole year. And one thing I would encourage you guys to do, read Romans 1 through 11, write down or underline every command in Romans 1 through 11. And a really cool insight is what you'll find is there's probably only like two or three commands in all of Romans 1 through 11. And the reason is because Paul knows in the way he always writes his, his letters, is that he gives gospel truth, biblical gospel truths of who God is and who we are in the sight of God. He always gives gospel truths before he gives commands. And so it's really cool. Chapters 1 through 11, all gospel. It's all the work of God through the person and work of Jesus and what it means for us, what he's doing to us, and what he's going to do. And then we get to Romans chapter 12 and on, and it's all these commands. And so one insight is that all biblical commands should flow from gospel facts or gospel information. And so just an encouragement, as we deal with ourselves or counsel people or even deal with our own kids, remember that all of our counsel and all of our commands to somebody should flow from a biblical gospel understanding before we give a command. And let's learn from Paul in that way. So how he started this chapter, he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And so the rest of the book, he's saying, according to the mercies of God, now present your bodies as a living sacrifice. He is now giving us Examples on how to present our bodies as a living sacrifice and verses 9 through through 16 He gives Christians how to act among Christians But it's interesting in our passage Romans 12 14 and then Romans 12 17 through 21 He gives Christians how to act among non-believers how to act among enemies and so that's where we're going to be And it's interesting though. Look at verse 14 with me It says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. It's weird where this passage is at, because it's kind of in the middle towards the end of how to act towards believers, because look at what happens right after. So he's like, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. And then verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. And then he goes back to that train of thought, the blessing, those who persecute you, repay no one evil for evil. And it's kind of weird. It seems like verse 14 is kind of like a hiccup. It's like, he's like, this is how you treat believers. This is how you treat other Christians. Do this, do this, do this. And then out of nowhere, it's bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. And then he's like, now treat believers like this. And then it's, again, non-believers. Do you guys see that? And... As I was studying this, it seemed like a hiccup to me, but as I kept reading it and thinking about it and praying about it, I started to realize that there was a flow and a reason for it being right here. And I think because any of us who know what persecution feels like, any of us who knows what even going through a trial feels like, how hard it is, and how much of a battle it is, we tend to become inward. We tend to become selfish and be all about us. When life is hard, we tend to want everybody to serve us. And so he says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. And then in the midst of this persecution and these trials, he tells the church to rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. And so I think what he's doing here. he's saying, when you're going through tough times, don't let that overshadow everything else. Don't let that overtake you and not be able to rejoice with your brother or sister who just got that job. Or who got the job that you wanted and you didn't. And you're making it all about yourself. But then also the other person that's wanting to rejoice and somebody's over here crying and having a hard time, that they would not... Look at them and go, man, there's such a Debbie Downer. I'm going to leave because I just want to be happy. No, weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Be in harmony with one another. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, just turn there with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. It says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And so he's calling us in this passage, for those of us who are persecuted, we need to hurt with them. We need to weep with them. We are a body together. When they suffer, we suffer. But when we're suffering, don't make it all about us. We still need to bless our enemies, bless those who are persecuting you, and rejoice with those who rejoice. We need to be like a body when my hand hurts i can't disconnect it i can't stop my whole body from feeling it because it's a part of me i think this is a correction that we need to have as a church that we need to be more like a body together and the only way that that's going to happen is if we're in community but yeah so i think this passage he's he's flowing into how we suffer we need to suffer as a body. We need to rejoice as a body. We need to, as we're persecuted, do it as, as a body, not by ourselves. And then we're going to get to our main section. Look at verse 17. And this is going to be the bulk of our, our message. So verse 17, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Where does Paul get this type of preaching where does Paul get this type of teaching it comes from our Lord Jesus and so I just want to share with us I know you guys know it, but turn with me to Matthew 5 The Sermon on the Mount Matthew 5 starting at verse 7 Jesus is saying he says blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then look at the same chapter. Look at verse 38. Verse 38. You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his Son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends his reign on the just and on the unjust. And so Paul is getting this teaching from the Lord Jesus. And so this was a common teaching. This was probably. That Sermon on the Mount was probably spread throughout all of Christendom at that time to love your enemies. And so Paul is just taking this teaching to the, the church in Rome now, and they're called now How to Treat Your Enemy. It's really cool to see the parallels in it. It's like almost exactly the same. And one cool thing is in John three sixteen and 17, it says, It said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The mission of Jesus was not to come here to condemn the world, but to save it. And now us as believers are called to fulfill his ministry by doing the same thing he did, by loving his enemies and forgiving them. Isn't that crazy? He did not come to condemn the world. I think we forget that truth. I think some of us want to condemn the world instead of save it. But isn't it so good that God <coughs> sa- came to save the world and not to condemn it? Because we're here because of that reason. And so now Paul is giving us the charge to fulfill the ministry of our Lord Jesus by going out into the world and imitating Jesus. Not imitating the world, but act like Christ in forgiving our enemies and blessing those who persecute us. So now let's look at our passage specifically in regards to this. So verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. So in, every, in almost every verse, we're going to see a negative and a positive. He's going to say, don't do this, but do this. And so in this passage, he's saying, don't repay evil for evil, but what's the command? But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. It's really cool. He's, he's saying for us to think about what is honorable among just people in general. Like, what is honorable? How? What's an honorable way of living When somebody does evil to you, what's an honorable way of living just even in in sight of the world? And what's crazy is the world might not act in um, what they think is right, but the world does think it's honorable to not repay evil for evil. The world does think it's honorable to act like Christ. And he's not telling us to obey the world because our morals match up with them but it's because their morals and their desires and what they think is honorable just lines up with God, who is creator and who has given them the conscience to think that living that way is honorable. And then look at verse 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Let me read that again. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. This is the crux of the whole passage. He's giving us a command that we are called to live peaceably with every single person if it's within our power. That no matter what someone has done to you, no matter who they are to you, we are called and charged to live peaceably with all. And this passage has actually been really hard for me to study for because it's hard for me not to think of You know, young children who have been hurt by their parents. You know, I have family members who have been molested by their dad, things like that. And I know that even in this room, in the size of this room, there's people who have been abused, been hurt, been taken advantage of. And this passage could be such a hard passage. This passage could just seem somewhat impossible and somewhat insensitive to somebody who's going through a lot and i just want to let you know that this passage is being said by a person who did something about your pain this is coming from somebody it's not coming from me it's coming from god who's given paul these words he did something about it in the personal work of jesus and what's so good is that he's still going to do more with it. He's going to right every wrong, every hurt that you've ever had. You can release it. You can forgive that person because you know that God is just and you know that God is going to come and judge and he's going to make all wrongs right. And he's going to not only just avenge you, but he's going to heal you. And what's so cool is, you know, in the, in the coming ages, in the new heavens and new earth, Jesus' scars don't disappear. You know that he's going to have the, the holes in his wrist. He's going to have the hole in the cut in his side that we can look at, and we're going to see it with new eyes, and it's going to be something to worship and to praise God about. And what's so cool is even though there's a ton of hurt, in this room in our past god's going to show you what he was doing our suffering and our hurt is not meaningless he's doing something and i just want to tell you that these words are coming from a a god who loves you cares for you and knows exactly where you're at and he's not leaving us alone to just deal with it but he calls us if possible So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. We are called to forgive and bless our enemy. And I know that could be hard for some of us who have real hurt and deep-rooted hurt. But maybe I would encourage you, like Jesus, maybe pray for them today and ask God to open their eyes to the sin that they've committed and help them to see the grace and kindness of our Lord the same way that we got to see it. And what's really cool is, you know, look at verse 19 right after. I think Paul, knowing that there's hurt, knowing that it would be hard to do this, verse 19, he says, Beloved, beloved, you know, his deep care for them. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And so he says, Never avenge yourselves. You know, how many of us, even just in little circumstances, we want to always take things into our own hands. Someone cuts us off, and we want to just do something. We want to make them pay, whether it's drive up and tailgate them. we always constantly, like, just trying to retaliate. And this passage is saying, never avenge yourself. It can't be clearer. I don't care what the circumstance is. The Scripture says, never avenge yourselves. And it's not to let them go. And I was talking to one Christian who his brother was just failing and doing dumb things. And he called me and wanted me to talk to him because he's like, oh, Gabe's kind of confrontational. You know, he might give he might give it to him. <laughs> yeah, you know the brother, but <laughs> and he asked me what I told him. And I was like, Oh, I just said this, you know, like, well, if you confess your sins, you know, you'll be forgiven. God's there, he cares for you. And he was like, "What? Why didn't you, you know, get rough with him? Why didn't you?" And all the brother wanted was him to just feel the pain. He wanted him to pay for the sin that he committed. And I was like, "I don't think that's the heart of Jesus." And if he does want him to pay, he will pay, and it's going to be way worse than I could ever do. Like it's going to be way worse. You know, think about it. If someone cuts you off and you knew a cop was going to pull them over, wouldn't you be able to, like, stop and calm down? You're like, oh, that's fine. Justice is served. It would be so nice if someone, like, cut you off, did something, like, meh, and you saw a cop, you'd be like, (laughs) You know, you'd be so thankful. You're like, oh, yeah. You'd be so happy. You wouldn't still be mad and go, oh, I want to tailgate him more. But I think the picture that we need to see is the person coming at us, attacking us, And then our God right behind him going to us, I got this, just wait. The guy can't hear him, but he's going, just wait, I got this. I will give the best justice, whether it's going to be on my son, that I'm going to pay for that guy's sins, or on him alone, I am going to avenge you. And I think we need to see that picture just like if someone was cutting us off and we saw a cop how, how that would just relax us and satisfy us and help us not to retaliate the reason why I think we retaliate is because we don't think there's a cop there we don't think justice is going to be served and we want to give them everything they deserve and we want to make them pay we want to make them feel it and that is so unchristian let us trust in the sovereignty of God let us trust in the goodness of God That he's got it and he's got a perfect plan for it let us see that picture when somebody's wronging us like the father's right behind him going i got this just wait be patient and we can relax and enjoy the justice that's going to be served because god's got it he's good and seriously if that person repents let us rejoice let's not be like jonah that's mad that god showed his loving kindness towards that city but let us rejoice because they got the same thing we got let us rejoice because justice was still served jesus who was perfect innocent he took all of it for them and that's good enough if god deems it good enough that means it's good enough we can't be more just than god do you know that like we're not more right than god is we can't give more retaliation than God can. We can't avenge ourselves as good as God will. Amen? So let us, let God avenge us. Never, what does it say? Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Isn't that scary, too? Like, it's kind of like, dang, it's deep. Like, man, let's, in, let's enjoy that and trust that, seriously whether it's through the personal work of Jesus or through the final judgment. He is bringing justice and the best justice ever. And then look at verse 20. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. This is a weird passage. And this passage is really debated. It was kind of fun studying. To the contrary... If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. He's quoting from Proverbs, and food and drink here are just a symbol of doing good to our enemy. And so he's saying, do good to your enemy. Don't take it into your own hands, but actually bless them. Give them what they need. If they spit on you, give them a bottle of water because they're thirsty now. It's like, here you go. Help them, bless them, encourage them. Do not repay evil for evil. And what's what's crazy is it says, for by so doing, you will heap burning coals on their head. The encouragement is like, do that, because coals are going to be just tossed on their head. It seems kind of counterproductive to what this passage seems like. It seems like we're trying to make them pay, doesn't it? And that's what the debate is. Some people will say, well, it must mean that the burning coals are going to cause like remorse and shame and cause them to repent. And so it's not so much that we want them to be hurt. We want to put burning coals on their head to get them to have shame and repent. But I don't think that's the case. I think it is actually that more judgment is going to be placed on them. And the reason being is because one, the flow of the text, And also because what burning coals on somebody's head in the Old Testament tends to image or represent, it always represents in the Old Testament judgment. And then also in this passage, it flows right perfectly. It says, never avenge yourselves. Why? Leave it to the wrath of God. And then he goes, do good. Give them food and drink. Why? Because burning coals will be on their head. It's the same argument. It's the same thing that's going to help us to rest in doing good. But I don't think, the thing that I don't think we should do is use this as our motive. Maliciously going, I'm just doing this because I want to hurt you. And I have a story recently with a guy at work. He's not a very confrontational guy, and I am, tend to be, upfront and loud. And he has kind of shunned me and stayed away from me. And at first, I was like, you know what, I'm going to be nice to annoy him. Like that's what I was like. Oh, hey, you know, saying his name, and like he just did not like it. And in my heart, externally, people were like, "Man, Gabe's, you know, being a good guy. Oh, he's still going after him." And so, but in my heart, I was like, "I just wanted to annoy him. I just wanted to make him like can't get away from me. I'm like popping up everyone. Like, oh hey, oh didn't see you there." And he's like, "What the heck?" He's like in the stall. I'm like, "Oh, (laughs) no, just just kidding. Didn't do that. All right." But it was crazy how. How wicked my heart was externally I looked I did look good externally there is nothing I don't think anybody can blame me for but in my heart I was loving the fact that he was annoyed by me and he wanted to be even more distant from me and it was so wicked and I was just like I would have been fine with literal coals like being poured on his head because I did not like the guy I was not blessing my enemy And it was crazy, I've like, just, man, God convicting me, like, crazy with this passage, thinking of an ex-boss, thinking of that guy. And it's so crazy because this week, I did almost the exact same thing, but with my motives totally different. And it did change things. You know, we're not best friends and anything like that, and I think I still have more work to do. I'm trying to, if possible, so far as it depends on me, live peaceably with him. And I think I could do better. But man, I don't think the motive is to hurt. Leave that to God. But just know, again, let us do good. Because if they do repent, man, praise God, we we gained another sinner. But if they don't, hey, that's up to them. Man, and they're heaping more judgment on themselves. We are called to return good for evil. And so let us heap burning coals on their head. That would cause more judgment let's not do it with that motive in our hearts because that's going to be hard for us to balance but let's do it trusting that god's going to do it he's going to take care of it and he calls us to be a part of his team by doing good and blessing our enemies amen and then verse 21 it says do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good you know we all know that this world was immersed in sin from the beginning of time when adam and eve disobeyed and ate the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil we were immersed in sin and all of his descendants all of us have now been born in sin and guilt unable to obey god's commands unable to have a relationship with god and we've become Dead to him in a relationship with him and we were now followers of the serpent rather than followers of him And we have just like JC was reading in Ephesians chapter 2. We have now Taken basically the image of the serpent rather than the image of God And we have obeyed that voice rather than the voice of God in the garden and God now through the work of Jesus he sends his son to overcome evil with good. And it's so crazy. Even as Jesus was confronted by Pilate, he's like, are you a king? He's like, I am a king, but if my kingdom was of this earth, I would fight, but my kingdom is not of this earth. And so they did not physically fight. But what's so crazy is we are fighting back. We just have a different definition. We have a different mission. We have a different way of doing it. We're overcoming evil with good. And as we finish, I just want to show a couple ways how Jesus did that. This is what I really wanted to get to to encourage us. Look at Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, starting at verse 32. So this is Jesus on the cross, and he was put in the middle of two other um, criminals. So it says, verse 32, Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Imagine being there with the disciples. Imagine being there with Mary and seeing your son or seeing your messiah your leader being crucified and mocked and then him say as his arms are spread out blood all over him saying father forgive them for they know not what they do imagine hearing that imagine seeing that i would be so angry and be like what are you doing they do not deserve that they deserve you to rain down angels and destroy them But it was through that that I bet you the other criminal heard that and was like, wow, this guy is the Messiah. This guy is the chosen one. He is the only one that can forgive us. And he went to him and said, please forgive me in your kingdom. Please remember me in your kingdom. It's those words that are transforming the world all throughout history Other saints have been saying those very things in the sight of their murders, in the sight of their persecutors. Father, forgive them. And it's those words, Father, forgive them, that are transforming all of history, transforming this whole world. And we as believers in Jesus Christ are called to now go and do the ministry of Jesus, forgiving our persecutors, praying for those who have persecuted us, and blessing them giving them exactly what they need and in hopes that just like that other criminal would turn and ask for forgiveness and God would be gracious to them just as he's been gracious to us isn't that good father forgive them imagine being there imagine being there look at Acts chapter 7 it's just so cool imagine those words On Saturday the day after you know imagine the disciples talking like did you hear what he said father forgive them he said that to these people the disciples must have been horrified by those things but what's so cool is those must have been you know shared with so many people because look at Acts chapter 7 starting in verse 54 the deacon Stephen one of the first deacons in all of church history Stephen was given this message in front of a bunch of Jews about the gospel. And it says in verse 54 Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He followed the same ministry as Jesus as he was being stoned, rocks being thrown until he was dead. Imagine that, being murdered, but him seeing Jesus, how gracious and kind was God to let him see Jesus sitting on the throne. It was only as he saw that picture, right, the persecutor in front of him, but Jesus behind them, on the throne, sovereign, in control, just, right God, that he was able to say, do not hold this against them. Do not hold this against them. And what's crazy is they were laying their garments at the feet of this guy named Saul, who was later going to be Paul. I wonder how much that played in Paul's salvation story. It doesn't tell us, but Paul must have heard that. And Paul for sure heard that later. How Christians who he was killing and murdering were saying, Father, forgive them who should not be forgiven, who do not deserve forgiveness, who do not deserve grace. Man, imagine that, the weight of that. And as I was studying this, I was just thinking of just people who are really hurting and being really persecuted. This is a hard message, I know, for some of us, because it's just hard. It's hard to do this. And I was thinking about the persecuted church. I'm thinking about the people in Afghanistan Like, if they were to hear my message, would they think it was rude or unkind to them? But I would just, man, encourage all of us, let those be the words that we say to them. And let us also not only pray for the Christians in Afghanistan, but let us do what our Lord says and pray for our enemies. Let us pray for the Taliban. Let us pray for those who are actually killing women and children who do not, do not deserve grace. Who do, in our eyes, right, who do not deserve forgiveness, in our eyes. Let us pray that God would just be gracious to them, and as they're taking advantage of people, and man, even some literally murdering people, that God would give his church the strength and the ability to see him, and as the, that they would say, Father, forgive them. And that some people would be so amazed by that love and that grace and that kindness that they would have no other thing to do other than to repent. Seriously, they're going through real things out there, and here we are just going throughout our day, going to do things. Man, let us pray for those who persecute us. Let us pray for those who persecute our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us pray a lot. Let us not forget them. And I know God hasn't, but let us do our part and pray that God would give them strength, the believers out there, and that God would also, man, grant forgiveness and grace to the people who in our eyes do not deserve it. And let us love our enemies as Christ loved his. And let the words of Father forgive them be the thing that transforms all of history. Because it's doing it, let us just be a part of it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for your, your grace and kindness towards us. When we were enemies, when we were sinners, you sent your Son to die for us. For we would scarcely die for a righteous person. How much more for someone who has been killing people? How much for someone who has been taking advantage of people? How much for someone who has just lied, cheated, stolen sinned against us. But you, Jesus, give us an example. When you were reviled, you did not revile in return, but kept entrusting yourself to him who judges justly. And you were able to say with full confidence, full loving your enemy, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Even as they were spitting on you, hurting you, mocking you, and disrespecting the living God. Holy Spirit, give us faith. Encourage us. Help us this week to even reach out to some of our enemies. And if possible, as much as it depends on us to live peaceably with all, please, Holy Spirit, use us to further your kingdom and let us be ministers of the gospel bringing forgiveness to the world not fighting as the world does but not not here to condemn the world but to transform it and save it through the person and work of your son Jesus Jesus we are indebted to you even though you give us yourself for free we are indebted to you please forgive us of our sins and help us to live the life that you call us to live According to your spirit. Praise the name of your name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.